Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Blue Wire. Say a couple things now. A couple things now. (laughs) More. More. Lots, lots more. Oh, I'm seeing there's green and yellow and red. Yeah, we got it. Like It's working. Bing, bang, boom. We record the meeting. We do both guests. Jays win game. We have celebration. I eat ice cream cake. Why are you Russian? (laughs) I am number one Russian jazz fan. Our levels are perfect now. My name is Victor Vladivostok. Okay. (laughs) And today we talk jazz basketball. Um, I am number one boy on Bogdanovich fan of Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. (laughs) Utah Jazz. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, the jazz are up 1-0 over the Los Angeles Clippers. How are you doing today? I feel like I need a Valium, <laughs> and more than anything after watching that game, I feel like I needed multiple cigarettes. Yeah, that's that's probably the correct response. <laughs> that third quarter, especially, I'm just I'm sitting there just fanning myself like a lady in a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. Just oh oh my god oh, oh my god. My mom always uses the phrase. Well, my mom is from Arkansas. Yes. And so it's in a it's in a thick Southern accent, and she says, Ooh, I'm sweating like a." Whole- church (laughs) exactly how i felt watching that second half last night and watching donovan just have an out-of-body experience there are so many so many good things to get to about that game and we are absolutely going to get to them first let's talk about the fact that the jazz started out the game and as one of the best three-point shooting teams in nba history could not buy a basket the thing that was wild too is that I actually have in my notes, they started off three for four from three and they looked good. And I was like, Oh, are we going to get another good jazz start? And then JK LOL at me. Yeah. The thing for me was, and we've talked about this previously where, you know, you don't like when they play with their food and they, and you've said, you know, you can't give up like 14 to two runs. And my thing is you can give up those runs if the shots are good and you're playing defense, because then it's not like you have to recover from a complete collapse on both ends of the floor. And Mm -hmm. to the jazz's credit, they were playing great defensively to start the game. They just couldn't hit a shot. The Clippers really went up on them. I mean, they missed uh, 20 shots in a row. They, 21. They, 21 shots in a row. They were three of 17 from three and hadn't made a two-point bucket. They they had nothing going on on the offensive end until Jordan Clarkson hit a couple of threes to sort of break that drought. Yeah. 
Um, they did not get a two point field goal until about the eight minute mark of the second quarter. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of like feeling out that was happening uh, on how to attack the pick and roll because of the switch. They, they, right. And I think that there was a little bit of trepidation on the jazz's part on attacking that, but there's, you know, also what we find out after the game is Donovan Mitchell is still under the weather. You know, mm-hmm. he is not breathing great. He's lightheaded. He's feeling sick. And he completely let that affect him. I think if there's one really bad thing and to Donovan's credit, he had, he admitted this himself after the game. He is the one that defensively wasn't there for the jazz in the first half. Yeah. He was legitimately bad on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Like I have in my notes, I was like, Oh, cool. We got rookie Donovan again. A guy who's who's not rotating, who's not moving his feet on defense, who's taking bad shots, who's making bad reads and making even worse decisions. Like there was one point in the second quarter, just so cringeworthy the way he was playing, but then has the ability to just like do a complete 180 in the second half, which was might have been the best Donovan Mitchell I think I've ever seen. So much of that is mental to go into halftime, see that the team is down 13 points, know that you were, that there were a lot of things that you were doing wrong on the floor and to be like, I have to do something different, especially when you're not feeling good. And to be like, I'm going to dig down. I'm going to find it somewhere. I'm going to make this happen. He comes out, scores 10 straight points and then scores 32 of his 45 points in the second half. Yeah. He was, he was a revelation. He was the spark that the jazz needed. And I think, I don't think I'm going out on a crazy limb here when I say that the jazz really do go as Donovan goes. Yeah. He's, he's their, he's their, their tempo dictator. He's, he kind of has that pervasive energy. If Donovan's making shots, then it, it tends to, to spread out to the other members of the team. We saw that in the third quarter when Donovan got hot, then Jordan Clarkson hits a couple of threes. The jazz go up Royce O'Neal's running the floor. I cannot say enough good things about Royce O'Neal in this game. He was fabulous. A little bit more to your point about how, you know, the jazz go as Donovan goes, I don't even think it's so much about him scoring because we saw Mm -hmm. in the Grizzlies series, he was inefficient for the first three games that he played in, but he was smart. And that's the thing. If he's playing well, and that does not mean making shots. I I mean, it helps obviously, but if he's playing well, the jazz play well. And that, that was the switch that happened at halftime is he came back in and he was, he was making the right reads. He was, he was moving away from, you know, the second defenders that were coming towards him to split the defense in the lane. He was, you know, passing the ball. It, it was just, it was an all around better performance. And he went into kind of takeover mode with, and he's, he's great when he does that. I know a recurring theme on this pod, especially during the playoffs is Donovan Mitchell's ascension. And what we're seeing from him now is that even in his rookie season, he was the guy you could throw the ball to and say, hey, Donovan, go get us a bucket. And he could do that. Right. What we're seeing now from Donovan, that next step, is you throw the ball to Donovan Mitchell and you say, hey, Donovan, go win us a game. And he's the guy who's doing that now. And he's done it now multiple times against multiple teams in these playoffs. And he's 
really rising to that superstar role. He was playing against two guys who are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, and he was far and away the best player on the floor, especially in that second half. There's so much to say about Donovan. There's going to be so many more games in this series. Mm -hmm. I still feel like we haven't seen the best out of him yet, but I I don't want to make this entire recap just about Donovan because the the Jazz did so many good things last night. I think that you're never going to have a perfect game. We've talked about that before. The Jazz are not going to score 100 points and then the Clippers zero. No, no, no player on the floor is going to be on on every possession. Mm-hmm. But I think that last night was the Jazz's most complete game that we've seen in the playoffs so far. Yeah. It felt like they they never had a point where they gave up on defense or and even when they were missing literally every shot, they were getting great looks and they didn't stop shooting. And yes. if you're scared into not taking the open looks, that would be a problem. And, you know, I, ha- I had a lot of people on social media that are like, why do they just keep jacking up threes if they're missing? That's a Jazz's game. They are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Those averages are going to even out at some point. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely did. That's what happened later in the game. They came back and won. Huge hats off to the Jazz's resiliency. And we've seen that as another recurring theme is Clippers went on their run, much like the Grizzlies went on their run, and they answered back every single time. And even when they took that 10-point lead and Clippers cut it down to three at the end of the game, they still were able to answer on defense. That you know, I've watched that final play, I don't know, a dozen or so times. And as good as our Rudy's block was, the rotation by everyone. Joe Ingles played his ass off on that last play. Royce O'Neal's defense was great. Everybody was clicking and answering. And that's the kind of collective effort you need if you're going to beat this Clippers team. Collective effort is really what it's about. I mean, there's no doubt that that was, you know, the best defensive effort that we've seen from the Jazz in a very long time. I mean, mm-hmm. you not only had Rudy playing excellently. I mean, Derek Favors was unbelievable Derek Derek favors Derek favors build the man a statue right now (laughs) if Derek favors is going to be like a very subpar for his contract player throughout the regular season but this is what he's going to give the jazz in the playoffs who cares pay him all the money he wants he yeah buy him the chick-fil-a factory in Atlanta it doesn't matter like he's been so good. He was great against the Grizzlies and then was even better against mm-hmm. the Clippers. He, yeah. I mean, he was blocking shots left and right. He was pulling down incredibly tough rebounds. I mean, he, when he got switched on to Kawhi, he was playing great. He got switched on to Paul George. He was playing great. I mean, and then you go down the line, we're talking about a collective effort. Royce O'Neal, un, just unbelievable. Mm. I cannot believe how well he's playing. And then Bojan Bogdanovich's defense on Kawhi Leonard. What in the world is happening? Kawhi couldn't get past Bojan Bogdanovich. And it wasn't because Kawhi wasn't playing well. Bojan was stuck to him like glue when he switched onto him. Keep keep going. Keep going. I have doubted Bojan on the defensive end so much. And heading into the playoffs, I was like, 
he he's one of the problems because every team has got a guy that you can hunt on the defensive end. And Boyan is that guy for the jazz, but you put him up against a bigger player. He fares a little bit well. And somehow you put him up against one of the best players in the NBA. And he turns into a, like a lockdown, all NBA defensive team player. I was so impressed with Boyan's defense, Jordan Clarkson, picking up key steals in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. I mean, the, collective defensive effort from the Utah jazz was far and away exactly what they're going to need. I, I think if they play at that level, if you're getting performances like that from Boyan, Jordan Royce from Derek, I don't think that the Clippers can beat them. Nope. And they did this without Mike Conley without, without Mike Conley. (laughs) (laughs) Who's, Who's been maybe the Jazz's MVP throughout these playoffs? He's definitely been the most consistent player they've had. Absolutely. He was fabulous against the Grizzlies. He was their best player against the Grizzlies. Yeah, just to be able to get everyone like this, it's it, it really was an amazing effort. And I remember, I think, during the Grizzlies series, yeah, I tweeted out, I was like, if the Jazz could somehow play as intensely, as tough as the Grizzlies, I'd feel really good about their chances of making the Western Conference Finals. We saw that. We saw that tenacity. We saw that, like, don't give upness. The result, you dig yourself out of that hole. You get a W. You get this incredible collective effort. And you know what? Props to Quinn Snyder. Mm. I don't know what that man said at halftime. I don't know, like, what adjustments he was making. But something definitely got through. And watching that broadcast last night where he's having that one-on-one conversation with Donovan, telling him to keep his focus. Get your mind him, right. Yeah, get your mind right. Go go out there on defense, and then the offense will come to you. Just such a beautiful, intimate moment that you see between a coach and a player where really shows how much Quinn really cares, not only about the, the W, but about his players. Yeah. Which then you could see how that transferred to the court. And Quinn was Quinn's game plan was awesome. If you love listening to us here on Unsalvageable, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to do that than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of the listening platforms. And the cherry on top, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. That's like three lattes. <laughs> the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about the jazz, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. Again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. There is something that I want to say about Quinn, too, because I don't want it to be lost that the Jazz won this game by three points, sealed by a beautiful, beautiful block from Rudy Gobert on the one dishonorable Marcus Morris. The most dishonorable. The most dishonorable. He took a coward shot too. 
which only exacerbates the dishonorableness. Uh, it was nice for me to see him stuffed in those final moments. I enjoyed mm. that. And it's no secret that I don't like the guy and I will continue not liking that guy. Cook. So the three points that they won by. Now you rewind to the second quarter. The Clippers decide they're going to play Boogie Cousins. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Rudy Gobert is called for a charge that is clearly a block by Cousins. He was, he was in motion out of the restricted area. It, it was, it was clear. It was blatant. As Rudy Gobert was going into Cousins, he puts up a shot. He makes it. Quinn calls for the timeout and the coaches challenge and review. If they were to end up with this, the challenge being unsuccessful, that would have been the second foul on Rudy. The points wouldn't have been there. Challenge is successful. That's a second foul on Boogie and an and one. Well, the challenge was successful. Mm-hmm. Basket counted. Rudy made the ensuing free throw. That's a three-point swing. That is one of the most efficient coaches' challenges, and to use it in the second quarter is very bold in a playoff game like this. Yeah. It's very smart to do it also, because then if you fast forward, Gobert finished the game with five fouls. One more foul, which he would have had if Quinn hadn't challenged that call, he wouldn't have been there to block that shot for the Jazz to win by three points. And I just think Quinn didn't win coach of the year. And I've talked about this on social media. I don't really think that that award matters too much. It definitely doesn't matter to the coaches. There are a lot of very deserving coaches in the NBA. And basically one gets recognition every year. Quinn Snyder is a very smart man. And that was a very smart move that possibly won the Jazz the game. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong too. I believe those were Rudy's first points of the game. He really struggled in that first quarter. And even throughout the first half, I thought he was really tentative rolling to the hoop. I thought Greg Anthony made a good call on the broadcast where he was saying that, especially running that pick and roll Ingles was giving him the ball a little too early. He was giving him the ball way too early. Like he knows that Rudy doesn't have the coordination with his arms to be able to make those shots from like 10 feet out. He's got to give him the ball. One giant Rudy Gobert leap from the basket. And we know that sometimes when Rudy doesn't get that early success, that it can affect him throughout the game. Right. And he was, he was struggling, you know, before that uh, boogie and one that Quinn challenged boogie did have a great defensive play where he stripped Rudy and then sprints the court and gets the layup, which was a huge momentum shift in the game. And it was looking, you know, like the Titanic was going down that play. You could see, you could almost see it was like Mario eating the mushroom in regards to Rudy's confidence. And he gets that, he hits the free throw, and then things start rolling. And like, you know, last night was not the greatest Rudy Gobert game of all time, especially box score wise, but you definitely saw the snowball effect from that. And he continued to get better and more aggressive as the game went on. That play was, might be the definitive play of the game. You're right. Like any good team. Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. 
According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. I think that moving forward, you know, one of the things that was a little bit concerning, and again, I think this is in large part to Donovan's defense in the first half, was Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson kind of getting mm-hmm. going. And care- The Jazz did a really great job on Kawhi and PG. They, they were combined 12 points in the first half for the two best players. I mean, the, if yeah. your leading scorer is either Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard, then you're doing something right. I'm, I'm of two minds of this. One, I think the Jazz should probably do better and not let Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard gain so much confidence early right. on in the game. At the same time, if they can continue to contain Kawhi and PG, then you're going to, I think if the Jazz, you're happy to live with, you know, Luke Kennard making a few shots. Right, yeah. I mean, Kawhi and PG were a combined 13 of 36 on that game. Right. You'll live with that all the time. I think Luke Kennard had 18 points in in that specific circumstance. Yeah, you'll you'll live with that. Um, what you can't live with is Paul George and Kawhi shooting 24 of 36. Right. And then Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson also getting theirs. Right. And to that point, I think that's where the Jazz need to step it up a little bit. There's a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis on, you know, making PG and Kawhi work really hard. And they did a great job of that. They need to have that same level of focus, you know, five out. Mm -hmm. Because you can't guarantee that Kawhi's not going to have it in game two or that he's not going to kind of break the defense down. He's a player that's capable of doing that no matter how well the defense is playing he can still get to his if he wants to and so I and I doubt very seriously that he's going to come out looking a little lackadaisical this guy's going to be they're going to want to win the next game of course and so you can't you can't let Kawhi get going and then also sort of keep that lax focus on guys like Kennard and Reggie Jackson we talked about this on on the last podcast on the preview we were asking how much fatigue was going to play a factor. And I thought fatigue was a huge factor for the Clippers Mm -hmm. in the second half. Their legs were going. They were not rotating on defense. They were not nearly as crisp. They weren't hitting their shots. You could see Kawhi especially was gassed in that fourth quarter, which is exactly what you want. The Jazz did a great job of making Kawhi work on both sides of the ball, and they were able to capitalize on that. Now, moving on to game two, the Clippers have their backs against the wall. They absolutely do not want to go down 0-2. You are going to get the Clippers' best shot. They are going to come out, and they are going to be aggressive, and I really highly doubt we get another 13 for 36 game from Kawhi and PG. Maybe not PG. The dishonor with him is, (laughs) is bubbling. It is brewing. Yeah. That that teapot is whistling. But Kawhi, I think we're going to see T2 Kawhi in game two. I mentioned this also on the preview. You're either going to get one of two things from Kawhi. You're either going to get T2. He's either going to just lock in like they're, he's literally the only player on the floor. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to run out of gas. We've seen that happen before. Now, the Clippers have a lot of decisions to make. Number one, 
I thought Ty Lue did a bad job last night. I don't understand. He was bad. I don't understand why you keep Rondo and Kennard in the game at the end when, I mean, I understand that they were trying to make up points and you got, you know, you want them for the offense, but they were getting torched on the defensive end and they went cold on the offensive end. I don't understand fouling like crazy. I I don't understand how you stay with those two guys when you have, this is what we talk about. The Clippers have options. They could have put in Pat Bev and Batum instead of Kennard and Rondo. I don't understand the decision to keep those guys on the floor late in the game. Uh, Aside from that, the Clippers have a lot of decisions to make. And one of those being uh, they don't want to let Donovan go off 45 again. That in, if I'm the Clippers, you're like, that's unacceptable. We're making a change. I think really the only change that you can realistically make, I mean, maybe we'll see something else from them, whether or not they come out with Pat Biv a little bit earlier and go with him instead of someone like Reggie Jackson. I'm not sure, but the obvious thing is to say Kawhi covers Donovan from, from the start. Mm-hmm. If I'm the jazz, I'm thinking, all right, let that happen because then that's going to wear out Kawhi even more. Yep. And so if you're wanting to keep Kawhi from maybe, you know, putting his foot on the gas, letting him guard Donovan Mitchell might take the gas out of his tank. Yep. As well as I kept seeing on social media about how the Clippers, one of the adjustments they need to make in game two is, is hedging and blitzing the pick and rolls, which go go ahead. ahead. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Go and look at the numbers of the jazz throughout the season when people were doing that they will thrash you with the amount of shooters they have and it's not like they can i don't think that the clippers can start zubak i mean if you put him rudy's gonna just own that Matt. that's just not gonna work yeah it's not gonna work i thought zubak was good last night but he's he's just he's not enough no and i think i mean i think going small is the clippers best bet honestly i just think defensively they have to do more Mm mm-hmm I don't know if they do more on the defensive end, if they're going to have it on the offensive end. Yeah. And how do you, with how good Donovan has gotten at drawing fouls, right? How do you stop that? Cause that really would, to me was like the defining moment of the fourth quarter was, I think there were seven minutes and 54 seconds left. Yeah. Seven the Clippers went into the, the Clippers penalty. went into the penalty. Yeah. And the Jazz just hunted them. Rudy Gobert got a bunch of free throws. Donovan was driving, knowing he was going to get fouled. Yeah, he they, fouled Reggie Jackson out. Yeah, which again, like as as good as Reggie Jackson was in the first half and as confident as he looked, that man was broken by right. the fourth quarter because Donovan cooked, flambéed, rotisseried, baked, whatever other cooking euphemism you want to use. That man got flamed. You could see just how frustrated he was when he did foul out. That man just threw his hands up in the air, not knowing what he could do. Yeah. And it wasn't just Reggie Jackson. I mean, Royce was drawing fouls on Kawhi early on and he had to sit down early when he didn't want to. I mean, that those are valuable minutes when the Clippers are fouling and you're getting some of their best guys off the court for certain stretches. That's yeah. really big. And apparently Royce is good at drawing contact like that now. <laughs> and Donovan's great at it. So I, it's just more of the same from the jazz 
is exactly what you want. It was a beautiful game. A yeah. really great game. I think uh, I'm going to read what I have here just for my my takeaways from the game and then a few of the adjustments. Uh, this tweet from Shane Young at Young NBA absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. And I have it here in the outline. It says the Jazz had a 147.7 offensive rating in the second half last night. Donovan Mitchell's usage was at 50 percent in those 20 minutes he played in the third and fourth quarters just decided to take the game over decided the game was his and no clipper was taking it away from him i thought again favors gobert bogey and o'neal they all defended their asses off just this incredible defensive collective effort i really loved the gang rebounding mm. you know the jazz ben anderson had a, a really interesting tweet that the Clippers had more points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks and outshot the Jazz from the floor in the three-point line in the first half. The Jazz ended the game with a plus-three rebounding advantage. Yeah. They were just amazing on the boards. Bogey was grabbing tough boards. Royce O'Neal had, I don't know, three offensive rebounds and some putbacks and drew those fouls on Kawhi. He was unreal. And again, the Jazz have that ability to just turn it on in a way that I haven't seen since those Warriors teams. They just, they can just do it now. I don't think again, that you always want to have to rely on that, but to be able to have that in your bag is huge. Yeah. I see in the notes also, Rudy can't guard the perimeter. Ty Lu didn't call a timeout there on that final play <laughs> because he said he didn't, he didn't want uh, the jazz to take Rudy off the floor. The Jazz wouldn't have taken Rudy off. You're going to take your defensive player of the year off the floor. You're going to take the best defensive player in the league over the last five years off the floor. No, no, Ty no. Lu, please, sir, whatever you are taking, share with me. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. And then like, I mean, to his point, the rest, the rest of that quote was, you know, I didn't want them to take Rudy out. I didn't want them to have the opportunity to decide if they were going to foul or not. I don't think any of that matters. You know, I guess good, good decision. <laughs> good job. Ty Lue got stepped over again. Oh, very nice. Loved I, it. Again. Ah. <laughs> uh. On the day after Allen Iverson's birthday, no less. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. On Tears for Fears Day. We do love poetry on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Everybody wants to rule the world. Unfortunately for the Clippers, the only one ruling is Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. He is the only 45 we acknowledge on this podcast. 100%. His 45, 45 from 45 is the only 45 we recognize. Damn Skippy. Now, we do have to be analysts. That's part of our job on this podcast. We do have to be a little bit uh, objective. Mm -hmm. So some of the adjustments that I would like to see in game two. Yes. Number one, don't miss 21 consecutive shots. Yeah. There's the always the rest versus rest uh, debate. It's not like they lose continuity or they're, you know, like up again, they came out great on the defensive end. It's not like they lost a step there. Uh, but when they don't play for a few days, they, it takes a while for them to get their legs underneath them. Yeah. I think we've seen that now in two game ones. Yeah. 
Luckily, so, this this was a game that had a much different result than game one against the Grizzlies. But again, maybe maybe if you have another long layoff between this series and the next one, game day shoot around of game one, maybe just go a little bit harder. Yeah. That morning, just put in 20 more shots, mm-hmm. you know, get those get those 20 misses in a row out of the way in the morning. There's ways to there's ways to offset that, and I think that they could yeah. they see it, they see that it was a problem. Now they can correct it. Yeah, and again, uh, don't give up twenty two to two runs. That's been a little bit of a recurring theme in these playoffs. Are these are these big runs? I know runs happen. One thing, um, if we're going to talk about playing with your food, that absolutely goes to the Clippers. Right. They did, the biggest, I really think, the biggest talking point of this game was the Clippers not pulling away, especially in the first half. The Jazz only being down seven points in that first quarter is incredibly impressive. A small miracle. <laughs> and if you're if you're a Clippers fan, I don't know how much hair you lost pulling it out last night, but those boys did not capitalize on the Jazz playing what was probably their worst quarter of the season. Of Absolutely. The year. Absolutely. I mean, if you you're going up against one of the best three point shooting teams in the Jazz, and they're three of seventeen from three point, and you don't absolutely clobber them, you made a mistake. Yeah. Let me see. Just real quick, I'm pulling it up. They shot eighteen percent in the first quarter. They made five shots. Yeah. Gobert and Bogdanovich did not score in the first quarter. If this was a Clippers podcast, we'd be talking about the fact that it was an absolute failing that they didn't step on the throats of the Jazz when mm-hmm. they had the opportunity. I mean, the, that was the Clippers clipping at an yeah. all-time rate. A few more things that I saw in the game. Iso ball, hero ball doesn't work. Not the against Utah the Clippers. Jazz. Not against the Clippers, especially. Yeah, ball movement and pick and roll does. And I thought the Jazz got a little desperate during those 21 consecutive missed shots. And it kind of seemed like everybody was just taking their turn shooting. It was like, oh, you're not going. I'm going to do this. Let me let me get us out of this funk. Jordan right. Clarkson was driving into the teeth of the defense and getting swatted by Zubak. You know, Joe Ingles was passing up wide open shots, which is another thing that we need to talk about. I think Ingles was better to, last night than he's been throughout these playoffs, but that man is still very much in a funk. And that man is needs to be a lot better, especially when it comes to his aggressiveness. He passed up wide open shots after wide open shots. Wasn't making good passes in the pick and roll. Wasn't defending all that well, despite how well he played on that final play. We just need better angles. Yeah. All around. Especially with Mike Conley out. I mean, the fact that you didn't get good angles with Mike Conley out and the Jazz were still able to win says a lot about the Jazz. Mm-hmm. But Joe Ingles took eight three-pointers in that game, which is much better than what he was doing against the Grizzlies. He still could have taken six more that were open for him. Yep. He could have done more. He, like we said before, he, the way he was playing the pick and roll wasn't right. He had a couple of good drives, but it, it, something's just off with him right now. And uh, I'm still in the camp that I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt, benefit of the doubt. If for some reason, Mike Conley isn't able to go in game two 
and we get another one of these performances out of Joe, I think that we're going to have to start to worry about him. Yeah. Agreed. And I think he's got one more game. Yeah. A couple more points. I want to see, you can't let the Clippers shoot like they did in the first half. They had almost 50% of their threes. The jazz played well defensively, but in that first half, I thought the rotations were late. And again, a lot of that is on Donovan's shoulders. Yes. Yes. And he admitted that. And one thing that I was really impressed about was as much of a godsend as Donovan Mitchell was in the second half in his post game interview, all he could talk about was how bad and how poorly he played and how much he, he let his team and his teammates down in the first half. Exactly. That shows a lot of maturity. Yeah, it, it would be very easy to him for him to just say, you know, yeah, I was, I, I was great in the second half. I was feeling it. I'm really excited about the win. It's like, but no, this is a man who was locked in who despite having 45 points and was the best player on the floor, that man, all, all he was talking about is how he can improve. And that's yeah. exactly what you want out of your superstar. Exactly. To that point, you can't rely on Donovan Mitchell getting 45 points every game. You can't. Thank you. You cannot put that load, that responsibility on one person. And I think, I think, I, I mean, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but I'll push back a little bit. I don't think that the Jazz relied on him doing that last night i think that it was a a product of just what happened you know Mm -hmm. but moving forward yes you can't take that performance and think that that's what you're going to get from donovan every night you everyone has to do better yeah you said it even better than i could this is why this is why they pay sarah todd the bit bucks this is why she is the beat reporter and i am just a dude do they pay me the big bucks (laughs) I'm, I must have missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to game two. An arena being full during, during the playoffs. Uh, my heart needed that jolt. It's been a weird year for everyone. It's been a hard year, year and a half for everyone. It's, uh, there, were, there were points where I thought, am I going to have a job? I mean, is, is basketball even going to be a thing? Can, will we ever be able to be inside an arena again? And being inside of a full arena during playoff basketball, I just, my heart was so full. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad too, that you, you finally, after you, this is your, almost the end of your second season as the Utah jazz beat reporter finally got to experience a full arena in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and the it, crowd was great. Yeah. It seemed like from, from what I read, I was not there. I was on my couch, incredibly comfortable, yeah. eating barbecue, mm. enjoying some birthday ice cream. The cake's gone. R.I.P. Yeah. that cake. R.I.P. <laughs> Boyan said that it was the loudest NBA crowd he's ever been in front of. I like hearing that. Yeah. We can, as long as like, there's not the vitriol and anger and, you know, yeah. slurs that we heard loud does not have to mean disrespectful yes i mean it was just a lovely experience i can't wait for game two i can't wait for games three and four in la it's gonna be an excellent trip i'm so and excited I'm, for you and you know what 
you know, uh, a lot of people are, are weirded out sometimes when I say, you know, I'm not a jazz fan. I don't care if they win or lose. And, and that's true of every team that I've covered. I try to be as objective as I can as a reporter, uh, but that doesn't mean that I, I don't enjoy stories and narratives. I mean, obviously I do. That's my job, you know? Uh-huh. And also when you get to know guys, you want them to have success. And the jazz are a team full of a, a lot of really good guys. And I just love guys being dudes, just guys being dudes, man. <laughs> dudes rock. <laughs> it is an incredibly, the, the jazz have a very dudes rock vibe to them. They do. They absolutely do. And uh, I, I felt myself pulling for them last night during the game. Cause it was like, I, I want them to see this through. I, I, it's just a really good story. And I'm, I'm really happy that they were able to have that success. And like Donovan said last night, game one is over. So on to game two. Amen. I'm just glad that we have finally found something. We actually have something in common. We were actually pulling for the same team. Yeah. We want the jazz to win. Maybe this isn't so unsalvageable. Renaming the podcast. We're now salvageable. <laughs> Salvaged. <laughs> salvage. Welcome to the Salvage Denim Podcast. Welcome to the Salvage Yard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, download, leave those five-star reviews. Say something nice about us. We love it. And it helps us out so much. Please continue to do all of the good things. We are available everywhere. You can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow the show at Unsalvageables. You can send us questions, comments, no criticisms, please, at unsalvageablepod at gmail.com. Can't wait for game two. We will talk to you next time. <laughs> that was great. Love it. Yeah. Okay. In okay. my country, we love basketball and we love to watch Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> Rudy Gobert, a very large man with very long arm, does, does the block shot. Uh, Michael Conley, very fashionable on bench. Michael Conley Jr. <laughs> Ju- junior. Yes, Michael Conley Jr., boy on the book Donovish and Queen Snyder. <laughs> We've run flex motion offense, <laughs> drive, and then kicks the ball. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.